Amen. Well, hasn't it been good to hear God's Word read out loud and to listen along and honor God by uh, hearing His Word publicly? Um, I'm going to keep my comments short here as to not take away from all that we have just heard, but I will say a brief word just as we close. As was mentioned earlier, we've been studying the book of Mark for some time now, verse by verse, kind of walking along section by section and seeing uh, the things that Jesus did and hearing the things that Jesus had to say, and we've been reflecting on what it all means. Uh, we need to be careful as, as we do that because uh, sometimes we can miss the proverbial forest for the trees. Right? In a study like this, we can walk along and, and kind of uh, zone in on a particular passage and dig in and see what it means and what Jesus is doing. And, and granted, he did some incredible, amazing, remarkable things and had some incredible, amazing, remarkable things to say. But it's possible to, to read a specific passage and, and miss the bigger point that it's trying to communicate because we view it in isolation rather than connecting it to the bigger story of God's Word. And sometimes we have a habit of doing that, not just with a study like this, but hopping into the Bible. We kind of helicopter in down to a particular passage and look for some nugget of truth that we can extract and put in our pocket and take with us on our way to work or something just kind of lift our spirits and encourage us to get us through our day sort of thing. And of course, when we open up the Bible, we do find the truth and we do find encouragement for our souls. But if we stay at that level where we just view passages in isolation rather than connecting them to the, the bigger picture, the bigger story that God is trying to tell us, then we might really miss what, what the whole Bible is actually all about. And so I don't want us to fall into that trap with the book of Mark. And so I want to point us just to one verse in the first chapter of Mark that, that gives us some context for everything that we just read. And it's Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Uh, Jesus comes on the scene and he says this, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus comes on the scene and his announcement or his declaration is the time has come. Or maybe your Bible says uh, the time is fulfilled, which maybe is a more helpful uh, translation. But he's essentially saying that now in his life and in his ministry, God is doing something unique. God is fulfilling his eternal plan for the world. He is fulfilling his promises that he's made in the past in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's a remarkable claim. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God, all that God has promised to do is now being fulfilled, has now come near in his arrival. Which makes us think back to everything that we've seen throughout Scripture, right? If we look back to the very beginning of the Bible, chapter 3 of the first book, Genesis, we see the fall of humanity, Adam and Eve turning from God, disobeying God, leading really rebellion against God and away from Him. And from that moment, we've seen sin in our world and death 
and decay and really devastation wreaking havoc on God's good world. But right after that passage in Genesis chapter 3, we see God make a promise that he will send a, a deliverer. He will send someone who will come and crush the head of the serpent, will put an end to the work of evil in the world. He will send a king, a messiah, a savior. And so throughout the Old Testament, again, we're looking and looking for who that, that one might be, but he never arrives. And so the people of God are left waiting and waiting. When will God fulfill his promises? When will God do away with evil and injustice in the world? When will God save us from our sins? And then we see Jesus in Mark chapter 1 coming on the scene saying what? The time has come. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. And so notice this amazing claim that Jesus is making, that in and through him, God is fulfilling his eternal plan and promises for the world. This is what the world has been waiting for. And now ever since then, the world has been interpreted and understood in light of the life and work of Jesus Christ. And so I just want to point, us out, point this out to us so we remember that we, as followers of Jesus, are now a part of this bigger cosmic story that God is working out. Our life is not just about us. And our relationship with Jesus, as special as, as that is, you know, we are now connected to the eternal plan of God that is accomplished in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we can celebrate that, that God is not done with his world and that history is not random, but God is directing it somewhere. And Jesus will one day return to, to fully and finally establish his kingdom. And so we can remember that truth. When our life seems out of sorts and our life seems chaotic and the world seems out of control, we can remember that God is faithful, that God keeps his promises, that Jesus the King is reigning on his throne. And so we notice at, at the center of all of this is the person of Jesus Christ. He's the Messiah. If God's kingdom is coming, Jesus is the king. And so it requires this personal response from us, right? Will we receive Jesus as the king? Because you see in Mark 1 verse 15, Jesus says what? Here's what I want you to do in response. He says, repent and believe the gospel. So we all have this expectation on us. Will we respond and recognize Jesus as the king that he is. He says to repent, turn from our sins, turn from our old way of life without Jesus and turn to him in trust and in faith for the forgiveness of our sins. See, the gospel is not just that God's going to do something out there in the world and fix all the bad things, although he will, but the gospel is first that he will fix our hearts. He will heal us and forgive us for our sins, and give us life where we were dead, and heal us where we are broken. And he does this through no work of our own. It's the gift of God, the good news that we simply receive that Jesus died for us, rose again for us to give us new life, if we would believe in him. 
And so this gospel requires a personal response, that first step of being devoted to the king and worshiping him. And then step two is from there, we as the people of the king go out into the world and live in the way of the king. We represent the kingdom of God out there in our homes and in our communities and in our jobs and everywhere we go. We are called to go the way of Jesus, which, if you remember what we've read so far, doesn't always look the way that we think it should. It's not just winning and victory and comfort and ease and excitement. There's a cross involved and sacrifice And the message of Jesus is quite opposite from the message of the world. The world says, pursue your own fulfillment. Go be happy. Right? Like that's the ultimate good in your life is for you to be happy. And so do whatever you have to do to pursue that. But Jesus tells us the exact opposite. He says, you actually have to lay down your life. Self-denial is the way of Jesus, not self-fulfillment. And so we're challenged to consider our commitment to Jesus. Jesus says, I can measure your commitment to me based on your willingness to sacrifice for me, your willingness to suffer with me and for me. Are we willing to give our life away for Jesus, for the good of the world around us? That is what he calls us to. Wherever life takes us, whatever our life looks like out there, we're called to go the way of Jesus and make him known in his strength. And so that's the invitation of the gospel of Mark, is will we follow Jesus, the king? Will we worship him personally? And then will we go and live sacrificially for his glory and for the good of our world? I encourage you to think about how you might need to respond that. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gospel of Mark that tells us about you, Jesus, all that you did, all that you said to save us, to rescue us from sin, to reconcile us to you. Thank you for how much you love us, that you would die for us and give us new life. We are so grateful. And now, Lord, give us strength by your spirit. Help us to follow you to be your disciples, to be your people in the world. Lord, to glorify you, to love our world and our neighbors and bless the people around us in your name. And we await your return, Jesus, with great joy and hope. Thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.